podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about... Your insecurities, Ryan. <laughs> what are you looking at? My insecurities? <laughs> We're going to talk about <laughs> criticism. We're going to talk about perceived failures. We're going to talk about redefining success. And we're going to answer your questions with today's guest. Our friend Griffin House is here yeah. in the studio. Hey, guys. All the way from... Where'd you just come from? I came from Santa Barbara today, but I've been <laughs> in Denmark and London and Been all Sweden. over the place, man. But it's on his shirt where he really came from. That's right. Born and raised, Ohio. That's so this, right. is, this is how we know Griffin, y'all. Is uh, So Josh and I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, uh, in the suburbs, and so did Griffin. And we used to go to all his concerts. That's kind of where he grew up, too. Now he's in Nashville because, you know, that's what happens as you get older and you get more famous. You move out of Dayton. <laughs> they, don't, they don't say y'all there, though. You said y'all. They say y'all in Nashville. Well, know. you well, know. they say y'all in Ohio. Well, you know, we, we grew up in Lebanon, which is, it's closer to Cincinnati than Dayton. Oh, okay. But it's still considered a suburb of Dayton. So some people do. So, uh, you know, uh, that's my way of saying we just grew up closer to that Kentucky border. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of rural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They yeah. call Springfield Spring-Tucky. And, you know, so. uh, yes, yeah. indeed. Nothing yeah. against Kentucky. Well, Griffin, we're going to answer some questions today. I hope you'll help us uh, dive into these. Our first question today is from Cedric. He's a Patreon subscriber from Quebec, Canada. I'm a musician, and I've been writing songs for a bit now. I do want feedback on my work, but I feel insecure asking people around me as I want them to be brutally honest, but I'm not always 100% sure that they are. I actually feel more secure on a stage in front of total strangers than one-on-one talking about my songs. So I guess my question is, for you guys being writers, what are your steps for getting inputs on your work? I'm imagining like during that voicemail he was uh you know how on a bench press they'll put chains <laughs> on the bar they bench press with chains on the bar i think that's what he was doing <laughs> that was a dog right <laughs> is that what it was i don't know <laughs> anyway griffin you you um so you're a musician and does that resonate with you sometimes he feels more comfortable in front of a a crowd of of a hundred or a thousand people than sharing something intimate with someone who's close to you Sure. I, I there's so many times when I feel like uh, real life is really awkward, and I've played so many shows that stepping out in front of an audience, it's like you hit the on button, mm-hmm. and the choice to be all these things or have these little eccentricities or ticks kind of have to go away because it's either sink or swim. So you really don't have a choice unless you just want to fall flat on your face. Right. So, 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 like, how do you how do you decipher between uh, like valuable feedback and just flat out like criticism especially in the early stages of developing your music because you know like like uh, uh he was saying you know he, he wants to go to friends and families in the early stages he wants to get some feedback yeah but there's also this trepidation of like you know you don't want to get shredded either right i was just thinking while he was asking that question that it occurred to me in the very beginning when i started it it never even dawned on me that somebody 
wouldn't like what I was doing or they would be criti- they would be critical. I was just I wanted to do it so badly that I did not care what anybody thought. I was just going to do it. Mm. I remember sitting in one of my first gigs. I was playing at Jack Quinn's Irish Pub for some tips and some Guinness and a and a bar tab. And I looked over at this lady I was playing an original song and I saw her lean over to her friend and I could see her read her lips and she said, this guy sucks. <laughs> and I stopped what I was doing. I was like, lady, I'm playing an original song here. What do you want to hear? Like some James Taylor or something? Like some cover song? And I just got mad at her because I was doing what I wanted to be doing and I was defending myself like at all costs. Mm. So what if, for whatever reason, I just knew I wanted to do it. Now, as I've gotten older, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's gotten worse as I've gone. Now when I put, because, well, when I put myself out there for new things like like podcasts that I started, for instance, Mm. I feel way more self-critical and vulnerable than I do that when I started with my music. And it's it's still kind of that way. I guess music, not so much, but other ways I can relate to feeling like, am I going to say something wrong? Mm. I mean, even being here right now, it's like, oh man, what if I, I don't know the protocol here. Like, I, <laughs> don't I, can... <laughs> I told you, Sean edits everything. He makes it sound really pretty, so you can cool. say whatever you want. All right. <laughs> what, what I'm hearing you say is, is like you, you be yourself as much as possible and you do it for you. It's yeah. not, especially when it came to your music, it's not like you were doing it for that, that lady sitting at the bar. Sure, you want to make people happy with your music. You want people to like your music. But really, it was doing something that you love to do. And I mean, Cedric can totally take something away from this. Meaning, Cedric, if you are putting creations out there that you truly feel good about, you can look in the mirror and be like, man, this is good. I really like it. That's that's what matters is if you like it, Cedric. There are going to be critics. There are going to be people who give you some feedback. And I think, like with Josh and I, that's what we have. Um, I think we do a really good job of deciphering between those two bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can decipher between criticism and, and, and what feedback is. Criticism mm-hmm. is like, you know, a seagull coming in, like shitting on your work and then flying off. Right. And then feedback is like, like that lady, this guy sucks. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's not helpful at all. Right. Where, where, where feedback is saying something like, oh, hey, that was a great song or hey, Ryan, that was a great podcast. But you know what? That light was really glaring in the YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there is, you can tell when someone is trying to give you a legitimate piece of feedback whether it's whether it is legitimate or not i mean if they present it in a kind way mm-hmm. i'll at least consider what they're saying but when someone comes in and they're like oh man this guy sucks it's like what do you say to that yeah well, what, you what do you i mean what well, you said what, <clears throat> i wasn't there for that lady that that's the thing that's crazy like i was there for me and i think it's when i go back to that person at 22 i'm like how bad did you want to do that and that guy really really wanted to do that so for mm-hmm. cedric i would say like how bad do you do you want to do this if you really want to do it then nobody can nobody's opinion is going to be able to stop you from doing what your heart is just really yearning to do that's Dude, that my is, take on it tweet that podcast sean that was great i think i think ultimately feedback builds us up or has the potential to build us up and criticism is meant to tear us mm. down and, and that's how i sort of separate the two feedback comes with a solution to a problem. Criticism just shows up with, with the problem, yeah. right? And, and so if you're able to separate that and say, is this person trying to build me up or trying to tear me down? If they're trying to tear me down, then you know what? That criticism, it's not for you. Even like professional criticism, you've had people write about your records before. <sighs> and I'm sure while every re- review has been glowing, <laughs> and, and in a hypothetical world where there isn't a glowing review, that's the one you neurose over. Like you yeah. can get 10 great reviews and the one that has a little cavil in it and you're like that's right they didn't understand me they didn't get it but the thing is those reviews even the professional critics 
it's not for you, the artist. Mm, yeah. It's for a general populace or, or whomever. Um, and, and it's also for them. It's reflecting their own views about a, a body of work. Hey, they they might, may have just been bored that day and it's easier to be critical than it is. It's, it's just more fun for them to tear something apart than it is to take your time and listen to it. And they have a bad day and it's like all of a sudden you take it personally, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. that, that can happen too. Well, also, that yeah. aggregates more eyeballs onto their, <laughs> their, what, what they're writing. If yeah. everything they write is like a happy-go-lucky story, Griffin House releases another awesome album. Is it possible to give it six stars? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so uh, the easier route to those eyeballs is a salacious story. It's, it's the reason, you know, the politics right now is, is so popular. It's not, it's not news, it's entertainment. And, and we're, we're being entertained with that. And it's also entertaining to see someone tear an artist, a musician, a podcaster down. See, see, to see them tear that person down, we we like grab our popcorn and we say, "I want to, I want to watch right. this." Yeah, no, oh. th- I love that approach, man. Like, because when you're having a conversation with someone, especially when it's a face to face conversation, and that's uh, the type of interaction, it sounds like Cedric is going for, like these close friends and family getting feedback. You can tell when someone is trying to build you up or when they're trying to tear you down. Yes, indeed. Cedric, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection with 150 different essays. Where is it? It's this one here. (laughs) It's our biggest book. Um, actually, it is our biggest book. Yeah. But uh, if you like our podcast, you will like the audiobook version of Essential. It's 150 different essays, 12 different chapters, about 12 areas of intentional living. And one of those chapters, or actually the two chapters I think that will really stand out here for Cedric. Uh, the first one is about success. There's an entire chapter about redefining success. I want to talk to Griffin about that in a little bit today. But also uh, a chapter on priorities. We're also going to spend some time today talking about priorities and reprioritizing to make sure we're creating what we want to create. So Cedric, I hope you enjoy the audiobook version of that. Or if you want the book book or the ebook version, we're happy to send those to you as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Griffin, you participated with this a little bit in Nashville, right? That that one stop. Do you remember what we did here? Yes. Okay, cool. So what we try to do is we try to answer questions in a short, shareable, less than 140 character response, but that's not what we really do. (laughs) We just maunder on a bit. So people uh, send in their questions. We're at The Minimalists on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you are at Griffin House Music? At Griffin Wade House is my Instagram. On Instagram, and on Twitter you are? Griffin House. Griffin House. And you're also on Facebook. And MySpace, I'm still following. He's in my he's in my top eight on MySpace. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Our first question. Our first question is from Zach. How do you work through trying to make your work perfect? Man, so so my pithy answer to this, my minimal maxim is: perfect is the nemesis of meaningful. Mm. Now, I, it, there's a, this weird sort of almost bell curve, right, Griffin? When you first started making music. Uh, I know, were you in Oxford or in Cincinnati or somewhere around there, right? Yeah, I was in uh, probably in Oxford. That's where I first started writing songs. And Miami then, University. Miami University. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so, so when you first started writing songs, uh, well, you you alluded to this a moment ago. You said um, it never occurred to me that other people would think this was bad ever, right. right? And so there's a weird thing. When you first start creating, everything that you create in your own mind is somewhat brilliant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you fell victim to that. Well, it felt impossible at the very beginning. It was like I was listening to U2 records or something and go, how do you make a song like this out of words on a page and a couple chords? It's like, there's I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Uh-huh. And, 
you, know, just, you just stick with it and somehow something an idea pops you know out of nowhere and you, you follow that somewhere and it's almost still like that today mm. but but if your idea of perfect is like when you first start writing music like this has to be you two or oh, yeah. or do nothing well then you're just going to do nothing yeah right and and if you do nothing you're certainly not going to do anything meaningful and i think for me and for ryan too because we've talked about this personally we need to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and say this is the best i could do Mm. given the the resources i had at that particular time as you've got your your this is your new album natural man is what your seventh eighth ninth album depends on how you count them 12th or 13th right yeah with with all the eps and other stuff in there yeah so so you have a dozen bodies of work we'll Mm. we'll call it however many of those are albums or whatever uh it's confusing these days especially in the digital world but uh you have that many bodies of work and each one is an evolution of griffin house in a way and Going back and looking, it's almost like this time capsule. If you go back to Lost and Found, which is, I don't know, a dozen years ago or something, mm-hmm. right? And and you look at that record and you're like, okay, I believe that's the best I could do at the time. Is it a perfect record? Well, is there, is there such a thing? Mm-hmm. No, but but it is... It, it captures this moment so well that you couldn't even make a Lost and Found now, nor would you want to necessarily. Right. Yeah. So, like, do you when do you give yourself permission to like put it out there? Because I know that you've had a ton of different experiences with doing independent records, with uh, record labels trying to tell you what you need to put on your album. Mm-hmm. So, I guess like, is there when do you look in the mirror and you're like, you know what, Griffin, do it, let it go. Well, we we didn't have the luxury to sit around and um, make something perfect because when I made my first records, there wasn't a record label sitting there with a two hundred thousand dollar budget that just said said stay in the studio for a year and finish mm-hmm. when it's perfect. And mm-hmm. so we did the best that we could with what we had and we usually had two weeks to record in the case of lost and found my friends played for free after it's a long story but they mm-hmm. offered to do that and we had there's one song on that record that i think is almost the perfect recording and it was this live recording of waterfall and the rest of the songs on that album are like those aren't even recorded close to as good as they could be there some of them i can't stand listening to because i know they could be so much better but you get lucky and maybe something close to perfect happens once in a while and the other ones you just have to do the best that you can and and move on and it's not set in stone forever either you know yeah. you can well, always and there's a certain magic in those imperfections <clears throat> too mm-hmm. whereas if if everything has this the the glossiest patina that sometimes loses the essence of what the thing is about yeah you your record even before that one upland i think mm-hmm. it was called yeah which was like i mean uh, an elaborate demo in a way yeah. but but those songs there's a certain analog quality to them that no you don't want to replicate that now with, with what you're doing but but it captured exactly what you were going through just even as a musician in that moment i feel like sure yeah i, I think sometimes you got to let go you got to let go of these little creations like i i'm thinking about the documentary that we filmed with matt we got the team we got the crowd you know, Matt did the best that he could with this this uh, this footage, and it was a really really good film. But it it wasn't near perfect. And Josh and I and Matt and the rest of the team had to look at that and say, okay, is there something we can do to make this better to where we can release it, or should we just let this let this creation go? And yeah. for you know, by and large, like we have to we have to let it go. So let me ask you, Griffin, like when you look at like your your twelfth album album versus your first album. 
like do you look at your first album like oh man like like i can't believe i put that out there and like feel way better about like your 12th album or yeah tell me how you feel both sometimes i i look back and i go oh i was singing really weird my voice sounds strange why am i pronouncing things like that my younger self was kind of awkward um or this was this recording just sounds bad like why does that drum sound like that and this sounds sort of out of tune or the tone is is harsh and now we're better at some things like that but there's also you you have some sort of wild reckless thing that happens when you're just naive and you don't really know what you're doing (laughs) and you 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 have almost more um belief or freedom to do stuff um in a way that feels really inspired so we just did the best that we could back then i feel like it was more important to put something out and get it out there than it was to sit around for a decade and try to like master something perfectly and i've often thought now like well how cool it would would it be to work on something like tires tirelessly and like try to get a masterpiece but the the right decision moving forward has always been just finish something up and like do the best that you can in the short term let it be as good as it can and then move on yeah my theory about art is you don't get to determine what your masterpiece is no you don't you really don't and and the for us like for me i I always thought it was this book everything that remains and i feel the same way like for me Actually, there are parts of this where I look at this, and this is my 32-year-old self wrote it. And in writing it, I couldn't redo that at 37 now. Um, it's a, it's, I'm just a different person at this right. point. But it did capture the best of me. In fact, I've had four false starts writing, uh, trying to write a, a book, a follow-up book to this, but they haven't worked because it's like, man, I said everything I need to say in this one book and it's hard to sort of keep it going. In fact, we have a question about that a little bit later. But Ryan, I'll let you get to your pithy answers because we're almost out of time here. Cool. Uh, Pithy answer is perfection is impossible. Adding value is priceless. So Zach, what I'm trying to tell you is, is yes, put something out there, man. Like do the best job that you can with the constraints that you have. In fact, if you don't have any constraints, try to put a constraint on there to kind of force yourself to put something out there. But except that it's never going to be perfect. And also know, like, as you continue to put stuff out five years from now, you're going to be so much better. Uh, If you wait five years and don't put anything out, you're not going to feel nearly as good. All right, our next question is from Chocolate. Mmm, Chocolate. (laughs) How do you defeat shyness and self-doubt? Well, I don't have a pithy answer for this one, but I I can tell you the one thing that I did because I'm an extreme introvert. Like, I spend 80, 90% of my time alone. I, I, I value that alone time. But I was also very socially incompetent, like in high school. And, and the thing that I did was I got a job that make, made me work with people every single day. And it's, it's, you know when you teach a baby to swim, you can just literally throw them in the water. Um, <laughs> I know you can. It just sounds funny you're talking about throwing babies in the water and swim. But if you, if you don't do if you wait till they're two or three, then they drown. Absolutely. But if, if you do it with, a, with a, an infant, yeah. you can th- my mom did this with me and just, I, I think she was trying to get rid of me, but <laughs> she just chucked me in the water and you start swimming. And I found that that's what happens when you're forced into a situation like that. I mean, at some point you, you were busking in, in Cincinnati and that was like, in order to get good in front of, you don't just start, I mean, maybe some people do, you know, these, these sort of industry plants, but for the most part, people don't start playing in front of crowds of a thousand people. You're playing uh, in, in front of a, a crowd of one who happens to be walking by right now. Yeah. Did, have you, do you, you don't come across as like a shy or timid person to me, but have you, is that something you've had to fight through yourself? I'm an introvert as well. So right. that's what, when you asked me the question before about um, 
stepping on stage and if that feels like more natural yeah because in in my normal life i'm an introvert and then all of a sudden when i do what i do and have to get on stage and talk to people after the show or before you have to become an extrovert right and and be more outgoing and so i I think that's good to have that balance for some reason but um no i think it's i think it's a great point man um so well here's my pithy answer if you relentlessly practice failing you'll eventually stop feeling like a failure and i think that's really where the shyness and self-doubt leads us it's it's we get afraid of failure but if you practice and Mm -hmm. practice and practice maybe you're not the awesome and you know an awesome extra extrovert the first time you go out there and try to be an extrovert but the more you practice the better you get at it like i'm thinking dude can you imagine if our first event was like the sydney crowd no, I mean, I'd have passed out, dude. Two, yeah, speaking in front of 2,000 people, I remember the first time we spoke in front of eight people, it was like, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? <laughs> right. right? And, and, you know, I, th- I don't even think it's necessarily about extroversion, though, so much as it is like you can still be an introvert who's socially competent. Right. And mm-hmm. people often think that I'm an extrovert because I, I can interact with people in a, in a social setting. I just can't do it for long stretches of time because it drains right. me. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Ryan, it completely like gives him his energy. <laughs> and and it, we're, we're different in that way, but we can both be socially competent. The opposite's also true. You can be an extrovert who's totally socially incompetent, too. Mm-hmm. There's going around being, you know, the ass of the party, right. so to speak. Which I, yeah, also can be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, looks like we have several more surprise questions this week about the myth of job security, about developing higher standards and developing confidence. We have a question here about growing as a creative person. And I want to chat with Griffin about a recent conversation that he and I had uh, over text message about feeling like a failure. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, Ryan and I record an entirely different long-form Maximal episode on the Minimalist's private podcast, which gives us the private space we need to discuss the topics that we don't typically discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist's private podcast on Patreon, you'll receive a personal link so that our Maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. You also get our entire back catalog of more than 100 private podcast episodes. Find all the details and all the good stuff, including an additional podcast episode every week over at theminimalists.com slash support. And now here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, my name is Lisa, and I'm calling from Maryland. I really just wanted to give a comment. I have listened to your podcast for about a year and have enjoyed many of them. Thank you. And I also just wanted to make a comment in reference to family, friends, and gifts. My granddaughter will be four in August, and my Gen Y daughter is a budding minimalist, and as a result of that is trying to reduce the number of gifts coming into her home. So she did an invitation and indicated that there could be donations made to the NICU, which my granddaughter uh, resided in for a brief period of time after her birth, or give a donation to her college fund. We were discussing the backlash that she received from people that she worked with who came up to her and told her that she was denying her child a childhood uh, and a variety of other rather negative responses. I'm proud of my daughter. She's holding tight and holding fast and will continue to use this option for my granddaughter's birthday. But it was interesting to actually see this firsthand as opposed to just, you know, hearing about it on the podcast. 
Hi, guys. Um, my name is Alicia Aiken. I'm calling from Byron, Minnesota. Um, I'm calling because I listened to the podcast. Oh, I love your podcast. But I was listening to the clothing episode this weekend, and um, I have a good, really, some really good recommendations to help find women's clothing that is responsibly made. Um, there's a blogger that basically she works as an ethicist, and then this is like her side passion. But if you go to thegarment.ca, she's Canadian. So thegarment.ca, you can see her um, website and blog, and also you can find her on the Garment Life on Instagram. Um, other companies that I personally love are Ace and Jig. Um, their stuff is expensive, but really cool and beautiful fabrics. And it's all ethically made. Um, and I also really like Bridge and Burn from Portland. Um, anyways, just thought maybe that would be helpful. All right, y'all. That is almost it for this episode. Thanks again to Griffin House for joining us today. Make sure you check out his new album. It's called Natural Man. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. You can check out our side project. It's called Minimalism Life. We recently redesigned the entire site to make it more clear, more focused, more beautiful. Uh, basically, there are three functions there. There are the journal articles. We have a community of different minimalists who write about their different minimalist perspectives. We also have uh, inspirational wallpapers, really beautiful wallpapers for your desktop or your phone over there, and they're free. You can download them for free. And also, the, there's a new feature called Inside Minimalism. It is a letter that we publish regularly. You can find all the details over at minimalism.life. That is the website there, the URL, minimalism.life. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, Leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. Just enter your email address there at the top. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. For our added value this week, I'm going to play you out with my favorite Griffin House song. It's a song called Ah Me from his album Lost and Found. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. Well, I was just thinking we could work it out. Maybe get around and take the trip down south. But she had had enough. So I stormed out of the bedroom to the morning light. I was missing Cincinnati, so I booked me a flight. Yeah, it had enough. I mean, how a wind swept across my scene. I mean, how a wind swept across my scene. But I couldn't take the plane because I wanted to stay. I was hoping we could work it out some way, but she had, had enough. So I took the diamond ring to the shop downtown I left the ring in the glass, he left the money laid down And I was left in the lost and found I mean, how a wind swept across my scene I mean, how a wind swept across my scene